This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. In Dublin, Ireland, in the late 1800s, 28-year-old Matt Talbot approached the communion rail to receive Holy Communion, and he was overwhelmed by a crushing sense of dread, and he became physically sick, and he had to leave before receiving Holy Communion, and he went outside quickly. And once he was outside in the fresh air, all those symptoms, they just left. But it was Dublin, Ireland in the 1800s, and it was a Sunday. So he decided just to go to another church. And so he went to Mass again, and then he approached the rail for communion. And he had, again, an overwhelming sense of despair. And he was physically sick, and he just had to rush out of the church. And once he was outside, he was okay again. So he repeats. He tries a third time at another church. And the same thing happened. So he realized that it was a spiritual battle and that he needed some help. So he returned to the first church because there was going to be a later mass. And he laid down, prostrated himself on the front steps. And he prayed out loud to the Virgin Mary. And he didn't care what anybody thought. And he was kind of a shy guy. I mean, normally he wouldn't do something like this, but it shows his desperation. And we have witnesses who who wrote about this because he has a cause for canonization going on and they've taken testimony and people remarked about this, that he didn't care, that he was desperate and that he was crying out to Mary for help, that he didn't know how he could keep on the road that he was on without receiving Holy Communion. And then... Witnesses report that he got up and he went into mass and he was able to receive communion. And that particular spiritual assault, that particular battle, he never had to deal with it again. But why was he so desperate to receive Holy Communion that day? Well, his story is interesting. He was an alcoholic and he had been an alcoholic since he was 12 years old and he was then trying to come off drinking. And so this is why he was so desperate to receive Holy Communion. He knew himself. He knew he couldn't handle that battle. He knew he couldn't withstand the temptation without receiving our Lord every single day. Teresa of Avila, you know, she's a doctor of the church, so we need to pay attention to the things that she advises us about. And she said that we should never relax in our cultivation of self-knowledge. And this is a good example of it because Matt Talbot, he knew himself and he knew that he couldn't withstand the temptation without receiving Holy Communion. Now, 
you and I, under those circumstances, or most people could legitimately so say, well, you know, I've been to mass three times today and I guess I'll go without communion. I'm sick. But he knew himself and he knew he needed to receive and he recognized the spiritual battle. So he persevered and Mary helped him. Of course, that's who you go to when you have a battle is the the Virgin Mary. She crushes the head of Satan, you know, so Matt had been an alcoholic since he was 12 years old. He worked for a winery at 12. Now we think, you know, we think of Ireland, we think of beer. Well, I guess they had wineries there too, because that's where it started for him. And his male relatives were also alcoholics. And as a youth, he just went drinking with his friends all the time. And he was always working. He didn't continue school. He only had less than two years of education. So he just went right to work from 12 years old on and, you know, paid for his drinking habit that way. But he was one of those interesting alcoholics that can keep and hold down a job. He always could. And I know that most alcoholics, that's one of the issues. They can't hold down a job, but he could, and he did. And that's how he kept, kept up with his addiction to pay for it. But he never had any money because he always spent it on drinking and he still lived at home with his mother, you know, so he didn't have a home of his own. He wasn't getting a wife. None of the normal things that you would expect of somebody who was 28 years old. No, didn't have money for anything. All he did was work and drink and live at home. And he was away from the church and it was a pretty empty life. He would become so desperate sometimes if he ran out of money, he would sell his boots or try to anyway, or a coat, anything you know, or he would try to get friends to pay for his drinking. But one day after work, everyone left and they, they went to the pub as they always did. Well, he wanted someone to take him drinking because he was out of money and all his friends from work, they snubbed him. They weren't going to pay for his drinking. He could be an expensive friend to take out. So he walked home. And when he came into the house, he had had some inspiration along the way. The Lord, you know, he broke through to Matt during that time, during that very rare time that he was sober because he didn't get to drink. And he comes into the house and his mother, she was really surprised because she said she never saw him sober. And here he walks into the house. He's sober. It's right after work. He didn't go to the pub with everybody else. And she says, home so early? She was, you know, in unbelief that he would be home so early. It was way out of character. And he said, yes, and I'm going to take the pledge. Well, this was stunning to her because taking the pledge, that meant three full months, no alcohol. And so she gives him a warning. Don't take the pledge unless you mean to keep it. And you better go with God. In other words, you need God's help or you're not going to make it your three months on your pledge. And he said, I mean to take it and I mean to go with God. And he did. He left the house and he went to confession that afternoon. He went to confession right away and he made a pledge there to God during his confession that he would not touch alcohol and drink it for three months. And it was a rough three months. Well, anybody who has that kind of an addiction knows that the withdrawals can be horrific. It was a really rough three months. No medication to help, you know, not going to a, a rehab center where you have counselors and helpers and stuff like that. No, he was, he was on his own, but not really. He had God 
And something about this decision, he realized he was completely helpless and that he had to have God's help every minute, every step of the way. And so during this time, he told his mother, it got pretty bad. He said, I am going to go back to drinking after the three months. I'm going to keep my promise. I made this pledge. I'm going to keep it. But when I'm done, I'm going back to drinking. That's what he told her. In the meantime, he rearranged his life. He went to daily mass every morning on the way to work. And then after work, instead of going out with his friends to the pub, he would go directly to the church and he would hang out at the church until it was time for dinner and to come home and go to bed. That's how he spent his time. And he didn't have a very good education, just a couple of years. And so he really had to, to learn to read and write again to, to get better at it. And so during this time, he also learned to read better and he started to grow in holiness and he started to read spiritual writings of great, great spiritual writers of the, of, of the Catholic church, uh, St. Augustine, John of the cross. He had a spiritual director during this time, which is interesting because we can't find the name of that spiritual director, but he did have one and he ended up becoming a lay Franciscan and he was growing in holiness. So when he came to the end of his 90 days, the three months of, of his pledge, he never went back to drinking ever again. And it's so interesting too, because he spent a lot of his life just helping people to give up drinking in a very modest, very quiet way. He was just a simple, you know, uneducated Irishman, but people recognized his holiness. One girl who went to work in the office where he was working after a time, she, she went to work there and she recognized in him a good man. He worked hard and he was holy. He went to church. She saw in him good husband material. So she came to him with the proposal. She said, I have uh, furniture's saved up. I've got money. I'm ready to set up a house and I am looking for a husband. Will you pray a novena with me to see if it's God's will that we be married and start a family? And so he agreed because he was that open to God's will. Now he wasn't dating her. They weren't in love or anything like that, but he agreed to do the novena. And at the end of the novena, they both realized that they were not to get married. And later he told a friend that went during the novena that Mary, the mother of God had told him that he should remain single all his life. And he did. But I think it's really interesting because we don't think of courtship that way or preparation for marriage. But if we go to God first and we ask him, who should I marry? Should I marry at all? And get God's input on it first, that would be kind of a, a healthy, unique way to go, wouldn't it? I mean, it's it's not the way we do things nowadays. There's an attraction and, and all the rest of it. But it's interesting that those people who are looking for a spouse, that they should be praying that God show them that spouse or show them that they need to remain single or if they have a calling to the religious life. That's an interesting story about him that I just wanted to share with you because it shows so much how open he was to what God wanted. He wasn't directing his life. He knew his dependency on God and he knew that 
he should do what God wants. And if God wanted him to be a married man, he would be one. And he would have probably been a great, a great husband. In Romans chapter 8, verse 8, St. Paul tells us, We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And this is beautiful because think about it. Matt Talbot's life from 12 years old to 28, this was a very sinful life. He was away from the church. His soul was in danger. The whole thing. Did God will him to live like that so that he could then become a saint and use, use his experiences to help others? No, no, of course not. God doesn't will us to be off track, to, to risk our souls, to be sinning. He doesn't will that. But if we have, if we've got a past that we regret, he will use it for his good. And he used it for Matt. Matt helped a lot of people give up alcoholism. And there are many addiction centers and rehab centers today that have him as a patron and take his model of, you know, going to God and relying on him as the way to sobriety. And also, you know, his cause is being moved forward and we can pray to Matt Talbot and ask his help in these areas. And I am sure that he has helped a lot of people overcome their addictions. So the past, yours, mine, everyone's, everyone's past can be used for God's purpose. Everyone's, your experiences are unique to you, whatever they are to this point in time, they are your formation ever, every bit as much as Matt's life as, as an alcoholic was part of his formation and look where he ended up. So we need to know that, that God uses everything. Remember, All things work for good for those who love God. It has been such a privilege to be with you today. And I sincerely thank you for joining me. My hope and my prayer and my mission is that you will be inspired towards all the good things that God has for you, that you will be inspired to accept his will in your life and discover what that is. On our next program, we will discuss the power of humility. This is Julie Durko with your next mission from God. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Durko, produced at the studios of Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit matradayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatraDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.